0: The real step of being a pastor is giving everybody a stage to have a voice, and I began to see the scriptures are either stories or they're poetry, so if I'm to be a human being, I am to teach the congregation to share their stories, okay, and to be poets.
1: to the Wellspring Soul Care Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Gotthard. I'm part of the Wellspring team. At Wellspring and Soul Care, we desire to see people, especially pastors and leaders who influence and serve others, lead and serve God out of a well-tended inner life. We know the pressures and challenges that many of us are facing these days are enormous. And so we want to come alongside and help point people to Jesus, help them tend to the reality of their soul that integrating force of our entire being. So on our podcast, we talk to authors, pastors, and others who are seeking to practice life and ministry in the ways of Jesus. With all the voices clamoring for our attention, we want to come alongside those that are, that are actually intentionally pursuing the ways of Christ. So today, we get to talk to Brian Morgan. Brian Morgan has been a pastor at Peninsula Bible Church here in the Bay Area for 50 years. That's right, 50, five decades. That's a rare gift in and of itself with much wisdom. But Brian is going to speak to us about a journey of grief. And many of us have been walking in various kinds of grief for the last couple of years. Collective trauma, I've heard it's called. And Brian discovered through his own personal journey, not only God's wisdom for him, but how the scriptures themselves lay out a pathway to process, lament, and grieve well in the ways of God. So you're going to enjoy this podcast, but more than that, you're going to find it helpful. I pray that you'll lean in and discover what God might have for you. Brian, this is really striking and, and unique, uh, and, and it's both insight and it's power in that poetry, and you, and you said this, that something about poetry that transcends grief. You talked about it bringing these four elements together, mm-hmm. and, and you're discovering this yourself in, um, in the Psalms, in particularly the Psalm you're speaking of that David wrote about the death of his, his friend Jonathan, but, but you how, and then you're experiencing it personally even through this song and experience in a moment where you're accompanying a family with the death of their child. Um, what is what is surfacing for you if I can even ask in inside of you around about around, around grief, around loss, what's coming up inside of you and how is that connecting to what is what is your what you're seeing and learning?
0: Well should I probably should have backed up um as i studied the psalms you have 150 63 are lament
2: mm.
0: that's more than any other category so it says that life is painful and what happens in a lament psalm is that um the poet is articulating attention in his soul and it's usually the king who has a covenant relationship with God and life is going contrary to those promises. Mm. And so he articulates that tension. And, he, and so God has a responsibility to save the king, but the king has a responsibility to pray. Otherwise, mm. heaven is not engaged. And so before he can make his petitions, he has to articulate that tension. Now, sometimes it's doubt. Sometimes he feels like he's at an end. Sometimes he feels betrayed by God. Nothing's off the table, because you can't experience God unless you can articulate that. And we live in a culture that doesn't allow that kind of honesty. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, and and in fact, that even what you're saying, uh, the King himself, who's expressing all these even raw emotions towards God. Many of us is like I, I remember I often have sat with people as a pastor and said, it sounds like you might be angry with God. And and there's almost a horrified look on their face. Oh no, I, I couldn't be. I'm like, well, but but yet, yeah, just read the Psalms, right? That's we see yeah, it over and over. Read
0: the Book of Lamentations, or read Job. Um, but if you do so, usually our common reaction to tension is first this denial. It doesn't happen because you're afraid to let go of your paradigm of spirituality. This isn't supposed to happen, so we deny it. But you can only deny things for so long. I couldn't deny death. Mm-hmm. The second response we have is we admit it, but then someone says, God causes all things to work together for good that loves God. Yeah. So you move to praise too quickly, and you don't sit with the person or sit with the grief. Mm-hmm. And then often we feel alone that this shouldn't be happening and we isolate ourselves. We quit going to church. But then, fourthly, after it builds up and you become 40 years old or something, you finally take bravery and you go to a counselor. <laughs> Yeah, And you're lamenting with a counselor one-on-one, and I like counselors. I go to them very good. But what David did, he lamented everything in public worship. Mm. And there's something about when you do it publicly and you're vulnerable, you're validated. And everybody's saying, yes, I felt the same thing. And so what what I describe the Psalms of Lament as is I view the, the Psalms as we're climbing this mountain of prayer And we get to an impasse. And there's 63 impasses in a thousand years of poetry. And Mm. it articulates every single impasse you will ever go through. Mm. Most of us won't go through half of them, but it's all there. It's already been done. And so every impasse has been cleared. So it's so important for us to learn these, to have a voice, because normally we don't have a voice. We can't articulate pain. And it's all been articulated for us, every single emotion.
1: It's it's really striking to me, Brian, too, that you talk about the fact that that these were expressed. As um, many people know that are hearing this, the Psalms were not just a book that privately were read; they were psalms songs that were sung in community about God's people. And it strikes me that we don't often have space. It seems like in our modern day churches, for a lament or for expressing difficult emotions. Uh, in community, right? Um, and um, I mean, can you speak to that a little bit? I've been
0: frustrated for years uh, because <laughs> it, even in the old days, you had hymnals, which at least reviewed salvation history—right, creation, mm-hmm. redemption, Jesus, and the second coming—with choruses in the middle, so the, there was a progress in a hymn. But even then, you didn't have a lot of lament. But now it's all praise.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: stuffing your laments and no mention of tension and Mm -hmm. the Psalter goes to praise at the end after you processed all this grief and what's interesting too in every lament psalm God had a legal obligation to save the king and every prayer that David prayed was answered and then he had an obligation his vow was when you save me I will offer thanks publicly Not to do Mm. that was a sin. Mm. So now when you come and you offer thanks, the praise is authentic because God saved you in ways you couldn't believe. It's like when God gave us Becky 14 days after Jessica died, who does that? Mm. And that she even looked like my wife. I mean, the the woman was 5'2", blonde hair, German background. That's my wife. Mm. And um, it was just a gift. And it was out of the box. It, you, it's unexpected so we offer thanksgiving and then the praise Psalms where you're just raving about God's character of, as creator and redeemer earthy very 95 to 100 at the end so that's where we're going
2: mm-hmm. and
0: then the process every single emotion is processed out loud in public so a week ago not last week but the week before we cancelled our service and we had a lament service after the shootings mmm than Uvalde, we thought yeah. we're going to take a whole service and we're going to lament, hmm. and uh, people were very thankful um, that we broke stride and acknowledge what's going on in the nations. Uh, yes. Anyway,
1: so yeah, that's that's really important, and I I think again, I, and I I don't point to any sinister and nefarious uh, motivation in it, but it's a it's it seems very limited. I will just say this: often the Songs that we sing in church churches these days, and i not this is a broad statement. Not every church, not all the time, but but the b- preponderance seemed to be, mm-hmm. you know, very much God, you're great, and God, you can do anything, and and you right. try, you know, your triumph, and I, in fact, I, I've heard it described as we we seem to be singing sometimes an overrealized eschatology, uh, meaning That's a good way to put it, yeah, that 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 the king, you know, that the new heavens and new earth and all the goodness is it's like it's I can expect it all right now. Yeah. And yet the that really fails to include the the reality of pain, suffering, right. l- loss, and and then I think that if you will, what it does even to people outside of that, or even within it, is it's disillusioning or it seems almost almost hypocritical. Like, well wait, yeah. you're you're ignoring big chunks of uh, you know, our life and our life experience. And And so then we, because we don't know what to do with it. So this is so important. Um, You're, you're describing, you know, where, where life happens in the trenches, in the, in the pain and loss. And so, yeah, so, so you, you begin to study this and it, and it sounds like before it became a concept to be taught for you, Brian, it became, it was an experience that was transformative for you.
0: Right. It was. now, the other thing that happens with lament poetry is when you articulate that in public, in worship, David gets an insight he did not have before he did it. And that's mm-hmm. where you get the but God sections. And that always troubles scholars. They would think, is this a different psalm because the mood has changed? And I say they've never experienced doing it. When you publicly articulate tension, it's as if the, the future invades the present. And your circumstances haven't changed, but your sense of God has changed. And I Mm -hmm. found this true in every lament psalm, um, like even 142. He first says, you know, I just feel totally abandoned and alone. But the minute he says that and he says it again, he feels God's presence in the poem. And he Mm -hmm. he gets this insight that the righteous are going to surround him and crown him. So he sees the end of the game while he's in the painful present. That wouldn't have happened had he not been honest and vulnerable. To articulate mm. the pain and that's why god praises uh, job you know um that he was honest and you mm. know did not bury his feelings yeah so that for me was transformative but it changed my orientation as a pastor because before this i just loved to teach and disciple and now i realize that's only the first step of being a patent the real step of being a pastor is giving everybody a stage to have a voice. And mm. I began to see the scriptures are either stories or they're poetry. So if I'm to be a human being, I am to teach the congregation to share their stories, okay, mm. and to be poets. I mean, man's first word's a poem, Adam's first word. And it's as if the stories pull us into the larger story of Jesus, but the poetry is like taking in the vistas, where you extract the eternal significance of your journey and you put it in timeless metaphor and you just sit with it, the process and get past impasses.
1: Love for you to talk a little bit because your first poem or I don't know if it was your first but it was the one that we've talked about was was for Jessica around yes. this and could you tell us about that yeah um well it was being at the hospital uh,
0: that time when Timmy died and I I just sensed that I I should do this do you want me to read it
1: yes please um, if you're if you if you will. yeah
0: and you'll see how articulating pain led me to an insight um, in it so and it was called, Let It Rain, because when my children died, when both of them died, it was raining and I felt God was crying.
2: And, mm. and I, mm.
0: I wasn't entering into that fully and, mm. and uh, processing my grief.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: So I wrote, Oh, Jessica, nine months we waited for your precious hidden frame to break through the darkness and turn our souls into day. Unto us it was given. Morning came its dawn so bright it loosed our sackcloth and greatest was light. Your form, so pure, yours the sweetest gaze, a mother's dream, a father's praise. And then on the third night, while I slept, you cried. Your mother held you tight. She knew, but it was hidden from me. All through the darkness, she cared for you, then gently laid you upon the altar. She knelt you beside those well-hewn stones and wept. Then I heard the chauffeur's ringing cry. Terror struck, impossible, I cried. Could it be to walk this way again, conception to pain, never to regain when the firstborn is already paid? I pulled back and withdrew, dramatized by the pain I already knew. I could not stay and watch, for now I knew. My eyes could not gaze on your little tent, which would all too soon be broken down and laid to rest, in the earth rather than upon a breast. Waves of grief came crashing down, heaven was calling through the rain, pour out your heart like water but I turned and left, numb from pain. Oh, Jessica, nine months we had waited for your precious hidden frame to break to the darkness and turn our souls into day. Oh, Jessica, oh, Jessica, where are you now? Where did the sower plant the seed? I long to know, but it is hidden from me. Oh, could I now go back in that dark hour we live when you lay limp and still? I would be your papa and give. I wanted to forget. It was easy to forget. But I could not forget you, my first precious daughter, Jessica Lynn. Sixteen days passed, and in my wanderings here, I came across that valley again. It was raining. This time I did not turn away, but obeying heaven's command, I knelt beside the stones and stayed until dawn's early light. Oh, holy night, angels sang, the grip of night grew limp. He appeared, and each soul felt its worth. He did not turn away, traumatized by pain, but he stretched out his hand and placed it into the flame. Beyond his hand, I saw the wrist impaled by my spear, pierced so deep with wounds, yet draws me near. Beyond the wrist, his gaze, oh, that gaze ablaze with such love, it burst my breast, evoking deepest praise. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, grave, where is your sting? Captured with awe, I stared and stared. And then I knew that when I left, he had cared for you, Well, Jessica. Hardly your life here forth of heaven was sent ere it broke out into a smile and went. So swift your days, a gift to us was lent. You now a daughter and saint, inextricably blent, will one day teach your father in some heavenly tent.
1: Mm. Wow! And this, and this, just emerged from you. Yeah. It, <laughs> Um, yeah. but but many years after,
0: sixteen years after, yeah, and I have given this poem in probably thirty conferences, and it never gets old. Mm. And when you first read it, you go back to the moments and you feel the pain, but then you start feeling the love of all the love you got from people and all mm. the things that happened since of God's grace. Um. You know, we mm. never had a grave marker, for example, and. Mm. My friend Jim Ziegler, he worked at Alta Mesa Cemetery and he made a marker for both my kids. And he um, put on mm-hmm. it the verse that Ray Stebbins gave me when David died We weep with you now, but joy comes in the morning. And that gravestone's in my backyard. So oh, I have a place wow. to go. Wow. And then later in life, I was teaching at Western Seminary and I make everybody do poetry. And one of the girls was named Jessica. So I asked her what her middle name was. And she said, Lynn. I go, really? I said, what year were you born? She goes, 1976. I said, what month? She said, November. I said, what day? November 30. And it was as if God was saying, in this one moment, I get to hear my daughter's voice.
2: Oh, my goodness.
0: And uh, just things like that kept happening. um, And I've just been so thankful for the healing. And then going to Romania, what's interesting is that when we were first there, all the kids that we kind of fell in love with were the age of my kids that died. And I felt like I lost two children, but I got a whole nation of kids Mm. um, out of that uh, in Romania. And I'm still Zooming with them. You know, for 30 years, I've had these relationships and we're still studying together. Wow. Uh, And that's where I felt like when you process pain properly, it increases your capacity for joy.
1: Yeah, that is such a, an important statement, and I I really want to even find myself wanting to say that again. When you process pain properly, it increases your capacity for joy, and you're not just saying that as oh, this is a concept. This is a lived experience for you. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, Jesus said that a little bit to the disciples. He says, "Any of you who lose, you know, for person you're going to be persecuted, right? You're going to lose mm-hmm. houses and mothers and fathers, but." He says, you're going to gain a hundred times as much in this life, he said, and in Mm. the age to come eternal life. Mm. And I lost my relationship with my dad for many, many years. And yet I felt like I had all these spiritual fathers that just mentored me, that Mm. life has been such a gift. Um, You know, it's like on a silver platter, my education came. Uh, Mm. So I'm just so grateful. Um, I mean, my whole life's been a gift.
1: Yeah, Brian, I I just, I just want to just notice with you though, too, it's, it's sometimes what we can do, at least I've observed is that we can say, well, there was this pain and then we want to kind of skip over that and just, we sort of briefly acknowledge it. And then we want to just, but, but look at all the good things. And I just want to be clear, that's not what you're doing. You're not saying, yeah, there was this pain and I, I don't know what to do with that. Or I just, you know, maybe make mention of it. But but it's this is not a look on the bright side or just count your many blessings kind of moment. This is a a fully. I I think the uh, maybe another way of putting this is, if we if we don't attend to our pain, if we sort of try and bottle up that part of our emotions, that part of our soul, it's almost like we we're not making space not only for we can't just sort of partition off grief and pain and loss. And then still have uh, a wide-open capacity for joy by opening the space for uh, for fully experiencing and walking through pain and loss. We're we're expanding our soul's capacity for joy at the same time.
0: Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Because the more you wall off pain, what happens is your whole soul becomes frozen. You can't feel anything. You become mm -hmm. dead. You can't feel mm. joy or sorrow.
2: Mm.
0: And by truly, you know, if you go to the, if you go to the ancient world, you know, you go to these middle Eastern countries, they know how to do emotion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you see the funerals, you know, and there's grieving and screaming over coffins and, uh, we politely sip our tea when people die.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, but it's,
0: um, mm. uh, it does, it is, it does widen you. And, um, When I was teaching at the seminary i used to teach at western seminary and one of the gals uh, was a mother she had the same enzyme deficiency we did and of course Mm. i started by sharing my poem about jessica losing two children and um her poem was titled the tie the dice never Mm. changes because i said it's one out of 16 chances it's if it's one out of four the first time it's one out of 16 the second right and then you keep multiplying she lost four sons in a row.
1: Oh my goodness!
0: And when she was done, I I had to say I had nothing to say. I can't speak to that. That's just. Mm-hmm. And so you're right in terms of, you know, it's not always quickly. You know, everybody's road is different. Um, but she was entering into it uh, honestly as she could. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The wow. other thing, it's so wonderful about this. Um, I've just spent the rest of my life, when I do a conference, I don't do anything but teach Psalms and poetry, but you get me, I'm going to make you into poets. But what happens is I can take, you can show up with a group, whether they're cowboys in Colorado or Texas or Canadians or at seminary, I was teaching in the Balkans and all these kids are from different countries and they don't like each other, you can imagine. And so they came up to me and said, we have to write, we have to, oh, they said, do you have to be honest in these poems? I said. I go, yeah. And they said, well, we don't like them. So the Serbs don't like the Croats, right? And the <laughs> Albanians and the Romanians and the Macedonians. And I said, well, no poetry, no great. <laughs> and some of these kids were like five years old when the Serbs invaded Croatia and leveled their homes mm. and shot mm. their parents. Mm. Lots of pain. And I discovered just forcing to do poetry. And my Romanian friend, Jonathan Iley, who's Trondor's spiritual son, he says, poems are scary because you can't lie in a poem.
2: Mm. What comes
0: up is the truth. Yeah. So I made him write. And what happened is the first guy is vulnerable. And then it was like dominoes. They just all poured out their grief together. They became a family in three hours. Wow. And that's, And I've just seen this happen over and over again. It's such a simple tool. I always say, I'm going to throw you off the cliff. The chute always opens. Write a poem.
1: Could you just sketch for us? Because you're teaching this all the time now. Mm -hmm. And could you just sketch for us? Because, again, I'm just anticipating people hearing this and saying, I mean that was such a beautiful poem i can't write a poem like that i don't have words like that or i i i'm not a poet you know i don't i'm not i'm not even a writer um so so can you just kind of walk us through this process and kind of convince us a little bit if we're i mean we can hear that it isn't deeply powerful but how could just regular ordinary us do something like this
0: yeah so I do these conferences, I always bring a team with me. <laughs> you know, sometimes we have like 30 guys going to Texas or Colorado, mm-hmm. you know, because they're just eager to be, and you get the synergism of people sharing their stories, so it's not just me. Mm-hmm. And these are all amateurs, and they all share their poems and their experience. That um, the first thing you have to realize, all children are poets naturally. Children mm-hmm. speak in poetry. Uh, Adam's first words was a poem. And I always <laughs> say to people, just write... Type out five words and do a return on your paper, and it's a poem. Just <laughs> write a few words, space it, and breathe. W- what makes poetry poetry is a metaphor, of course. What's so good about metaphor is metaphors have ranges of meaning and are visual pictures to enter into something. Mm. So I can say I'm sad, but Lamentation says the tears on the cheek.
2: Mm.
0: And... Um, and I find, I don't give people many rules on doing it. No one gave me any rules. I never had a class of poetry. I was a, you know, an econ major, math guy, but I don't give people rules, but I find if you just turn them loose to process a moment in their life and reflect on it, it comes out naturally. And usually what comes out first is pent up pain. And then it often will turn to a, an, uh, an insight and it just happens naturally. So I, again, I don't give any rules, but I do give some framework of the Psalms. I use 142 to start because it's only six verses, and everything happens in that poem uh, about articulating abandonment, and then he makes this turn, um, and uh, it gives people an example. And then I use Second Samuel 1, to describe my own journey, and give the poem. And then in the evening, we'll usually use Psalm 51 with communion, how David's lamenting his sin, <laughs> Mm. Has twenty metaphors for how God cleanses for sin, and four mm. words for sin, and that's that. Poem oh, it reaches its height because David has nowhere to go; he should be killed by the law. So he has to push the metaphors to ask for levels of grace that never been asked before, and he doesn't. Mm. Um, mm. He just says, I, "I'm wicked, and I, I want you to." He should have been had the death penalty, his king, mm.
2: Mm.
0: and God spares him and takes his offering. Uh, And and his his poem is the offering. So I don't. It doesn't take a lot of the Psalms in a conference to get everybody to write. And but we turn them loose all afternoon with nothing to do, and it's amazing what happens. I'm always amazed that nothing's going to (laughs) happen, and and then I'm blown away. And it's been survival for us during the pandemic. Um, I have had four classes. We're all doing the same thing, but we went through Isaiah 40 to 66, Jacob's life doing poetry, so we would mm-hmm. reflect on that, and then we did Psalms of Praise and Psalms of Lament, and it just got completed, and every the poetry was so good, so we just give the exposition, and, the, and then they go and write, and then the first class, for the first hour, people are just reading. But if we get nine poems, it takes an hour for us because they're so rich and they're honest and people are just so insightful that I can't write anymore. It's like I've spent my metaphors, my vocabulary is done, and I just listen to other people's stuff. Um, but it really doesn't take much. It takes courage is all it takes.
1: So one, there, there needs to be permission. Let's just start with that. There needs to be permission given to, to just name what's really going on inside of us. Mm-hmm. And maybe even, maybe even to, to you've given space, I think that's the other thing. Yeah. So one, if there's permission and that it's a permission to even, even if my, my feelings uh, don't feel very um, pretty or don't even feel especially, perhaps, re- especially they, don't feel, if don't feel they don't feel pretty or godly or, or somehow like, or even when we say I shouldn't feel something, it's like, let's just mm-hmm. permission to, to name and express whatever comes up. But then, then it seems like there needs to be some space given to actually even get in touch with whatever is going on inside. Yes.
0: Yeah, you have to give when the person shares. You can't just go on because it's a very intimate, holy moment. And the, as a pastor, I need to care for that. And I have a female colleague who's very gifted um,
2: mm.
0: who really worked through the Psalms to deal with horrific pain in her own life. Mm. it's very helpful to have a team, right? That's sensitive to the people to make sure you pray for them, correct, or ask questions or be curious about what was said, but you just can't leave them. And that was probably one of the problems with my conferences. Some of these conferences, you have a hundred people or 50 men or whatever, and they've never been vulnerable. And all of a sudden the conference is hugely vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And There's no follow-up, right?
1: Mm. Like,
0: so vulnerable. It was too much. Yeah. rather than ongoing relationships
1: um so the idea is definitely it's important to be in community if you can yes. or, or cultivate it but but let's say someone's listening to this here even uh to our conversation brian and they they said well i want maybe uh, even on my own i want to kind of take a step in this direction um and they were just gonna like reflect if you will so let's say well I'm, I'm i'm not sure how a poem will come out but let uh, maybe walk us through even if someone on their own wanted to just begin to attempt something like this.
0: Well, I'd say start with the Psalms and you can borrow phrases from the Psalms
2: mm.
1: um,
0: and just move them around. Um, and,
1: uh, and, and, and as you said, a, a bunch of them are lament. So what would you, would you send them anywhere in particular or just start reading through the Psalms until something. The whole something... first
0: book of Psalms is 95% lament poetry because that's where David is. The first two Psalms give you the framework. Um, Psalm 1 tells you that the, it's the good news because it talks about blessed is the man. Mm-hmm. And that's not saying if you do it, it, the blessed means he's done it and he's to be rewarded. So somebody's already made the journey and put mm-hmm. all the ropes in place and all and all we have to do is follow this poet. And of course, we know it's Christ, right? He mm-hmm. made the journey. He was successful so all I need to do is follow him. And then the second poem, Psalm two is the King's ordination. And it's looking at hell on earth and the nations are in an uproar. And all God tells the King is pray and I'll bring heaven to earth. That's yeah. all. And that's the tool. So now you're anointed as King, but then it looks easy until you get to Psalm three and the whole world's against David. <laughs> it's like, why is that the first poem you learn after committing murder and adultery and and your son hates your guts and wants to kill you? Right. <laughs> and I think the point why that's the first poem is if God's loyal love holds for David in that, he'll hold for anything on the journey. So now you know the rope won't break. God's loyal love will not break
2: because mm. I
0: don't think any of you are going to be mass murderers
2: <laughs> and
0: <laughs> take your best friend's wife and then murder him and then a bunch of other people die in the process. If the loyal love holds there, it'll hold mm. So mm. I just said, be very simple and mm. just journal. But you, there is something, Jesus wasn't lying when he says, we're two or three are gathered, I'm in their midst. Journaling doesn't heal us mm. like worship together.
1: Say more about that. Say more about that. And again, so so some of us are like, well, uh, good. I'm not a journaler, but uh, or others are like. But I, I write. I write things down. Tell us the difference here between just like writing things down in a journal versus worship. The well, way you describing. Well, it's like
0: confession. It. If you confess to the Lord, you really haven't confessed. You mm. have to confess to another person in whom the Lord is. Mm. And then when it's out in the open, you feel cleansed. You feel light because it's when the darkness is exposed to the light. You, you feel forgiven mm. and so it worships always been meant to happen together um, we heal in community and it's often multiple gifts that heal us mm. uh, in community and people that want to work it out alone um, it, it's a long road and it just it's not meant to happen that way
1: so that's really that's really significant and I, I just want to just note that with yeah. you again Brian because again we are uh, in a very individualistic society and very isolated often from one another. And, and sometimes even the, what we call community is really uh, a a surface level of Mm -hmm. of relationships. So you're talking about being in places and in context with people where we're, we're naming the, the good, but also the bad and ugly.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, David could say my spirit grows faint. My heart's I'm ready to give up. It's gone Um, on so long. And there's some Psalms, what's like, uh, I think it's 30, uh, 38 maybe. Well, there's one Psalm where he knows he's being punished by God because of his sin. He's being disciplined. However, the enemy jumps in and starts mocking him. So now you have you you're, you have sin that you you deserve punishment. On the other hand, you have undeserved evil. That provokes David to pray. Now, often we're in that quandary, right? I'm getting what I deserve, but then this other stuff's happening and it's unweighted. And so David works us through that and how to pray when you feel that way. So it's it's so wonderful. Every single impasse is named in scripture.
1: Brian, can you speak to one thing that is something I've been curious about is that You know, sometimes we're reading through the psalms, a psalm like that starts in a very dark place. And then you said, and then as you noted, it uh, will turn to praise at the end, or at least a uh, expression of confidence in God or naming uh, 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 God's goodness in some way. But I've often wondered, you know, we, we, we read that in the space of a few minutes, that that may be expressing a journey that must be much longer than just, you know, I I sat down and prayed a really good prayer, or if you will, and then by the end, everything was okay. Um, Can you speak to that? Was there maybe a time period that it's expressing, or or, or is there something else?
0: No, mine was 16 years.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs)
0: There's a lot of thoughts in that Jessica poem. Mm. It was 16 years in the making, and I couldn't have written that a year later. Mm-hmm. or in the moment mm-hmm. sometimes you can you, you can but again it's just learning to be honest
2: it's mm-hmm.
0: that the, the way up this mountain is there's only one gate you have to go through it's honesty mm. you have a guide that will lead you so it's like i climbed the matterhorn when i was 19 mm. and i had a guy who climbed it 88 times i had a carabiner and i had a rope and all i had to do is follow his footsteps right and the rope was not going to break And Mm. when you're coming down, you're told to lean back and trust that rope. (laughs) If you don't, you fall into the mountain. Right. And uh, it was a hard climb, but I did it because I followed my guide. It was experienced, And I was guaranteed to get there because he'd been there 88 times. And when I got to those vistas at the top, I was breathtaking. Mm. So that's the way it is. The only requirement we need to make this journey is honesty. Hmm. Vulnerability, And so when you start going through the Psalms, I think it's helpful. Name what that impasse is. Name what David's going through. Um, sometimes it's like Jeremiah says, God, you're like a dried up wadi. Like this those wadis in, in Israel, you know, they're, they're torrents and then they dry up instantly. And he says, that's what you're like. You're here today and gone tomorrow.
2: Mm,
1: yeah. And
0: Jeremiah has his whole series of lament Psalms and they're beautiful to study. Um, that he's, you know, just think of how much revelation he has and yet how much he struggled.
1: hmm. Wow. So well, I think
0: what... we go through this pattern from, look, we go through lament and then God answers and then there's petition and praise. And then we go through another cycle of lament, petition and praise. And it, it happens our whole life. The pendulum swings and we get more confident too, because we're in the new Testament we have a little bit more insight they did in the old because we know suffering for righteousness sake is purposeful in Christ.
2: Mm.
0: That That's just to be expected. And they didn't have that in the old Testament. Mm. It was surprised them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so we're ahead of the game a little bit, but mm. it never goes away. I mean, my hardest year as a pastor was when I jumped into a situation where I thought I could help, Two ladies who were at odds and I'm just naive. I just think if you understand each other and I, it was such a web that I got implicated our elder board got implicated. We were paralyzed as a board for five years and I had a year of depression where I stepped off the board and I felt 24 7 the devil saying I'm guilty. Mm. That was harder in some sense than going through the death of my children because there I was innocent.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this I couldn't fix. Mm.
0: And so I finally went to the beach and I prayed and I said, God, I know you don't talk to me, but I need to know I'm forgiven and don't waste my gifts. And then I got back and a week later, this woman in our church called me and she said, I want to come over and talk to you. God, talk to me about you. I said, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear about my sin. She says, oh no. And I said, well, I'm going out to dinner. So just tell me on the phone. She said, well, I know you're in a pain. I saw you at church and I looked in your eyes and you were gone. And the Lord told me it was a pain and who caused it. And he said, if you come out, your friends will heal you. It'll soon be over. And God is with you. And I thought, holy crap. You mean God said my name? And sure enough, the very next week I got a letter from the person I had wronged as an apology. And all of a sudden it lifted. Mm. And, uh, but that, whole year incident was, you know, just as hard as losing kids. So it's,
2: mm.
0: and though I was much further along up the mountain. And, yeah. uh, and I think, you know what, we can always be disoriented.
2: Um, mm-hmm.
0: and I wake up in the morning with, with feelings, of anxiety,
2: yeah. <laughs> and
0: I always need to be rooted. And I'm, I feel like sometimes I don't have any skin, uh, I take mm. things personally and, uh, Mm. I just love these songs that I can be honest with this group of friends I have that we just uh, in all our groups, we're just honest. It's so much fun. Um,
1: That's so good. I think I'll just, uh, I want to just again point out what you just described too, because I think I've often been guilty of thinking, well, God, if I can just deal with this or I get, I can reach some point in which I uh, of either some emotional maturity or spiritual maturity in which I, you know, yes, there's pain, but it doesn't hit me as much anymore. I don't feel it as deeply anymore. And yet, what I'm hearing in is that that's not the the uh, that's not a realistic expectation. That the pain is of life is always going to be present and real, but that I can continue to journey in authentic vulnerability and honesty before God and with others, and continue to find that He meets me. But but kind of get even giving myself into that that journey and that process yeah is so important
0: yeah it is it's a uh, bit a lifesaver um, mm. but i just feel so thankful to be you know i didn't choose this education it, it's like it was just a gift from god to take you to romania to meet a poet and give me bruce mm-hmm. walkey as a mentor the stanford professor uh, unpack all the intellectual stuff and uh, and then have all my romanian kids um, you know growing in this area it's just and now a lot of those kids in romania they're helping the ukrainians driving wow. in there with medical supplies and housing them and uh you know seeing them take what we've given them and help mm. people in the darkest hour in their history
1: that's amazing what a what a beautiful beautiful image that is in the midst of a, a very painful and uh horrific image but thank you for your investment in people's lives for many years Uh, We would be remiss, since this is the Wellspring Soul Care podcast, if we didn't talk about a little bit of your intersection, uh, Brian, with with Soul Care. How how did you come across Soul Care, and what's that been like in your journey? I heard about
0: Patty Pierce when she was doing Women at the Well, Mm. and was pretty excited about that. And then I think she might have invited me early, and I didn't take. But in 2011, I think, uh, John Hanneman and I uh, came in together, and it was one of the best years of my life.
2: And mm. I'll tell
0: you why. If for no other reason, as a pastor, you want to be yoked with other pastors who are vulnerable and broken and mm-hmm. aren't competing and aren't telling you what their church is doing. We're just a bunch of broken men and women. There's nobody mm-hmm. I have met at Soul Care I didn't like and enjoy mm-hmm. and want to be a friend to. So I would go to the Martins home, which itself was like seven acres in the paradise of the new heavens and new earth. I didn't get it enough. <laughs> And then every speaker they brought in was a soul giver. And, uh, and then Patty was my spiritual director. And every time I'd go in to be with her, I go in feeling your words in, in Hebrew. The word for distress is a narrow place. Mm.
2: The
0: word for salvation is a broad place. It's mm. Like When you go to Lake Tahoe and you get up to that peak and the, the mountains open up, I'd leave her office with my world being large again. Mm. And, um, and with my ADHD, I, I don't I'm not very disciplined. I'm an impulsive mess. And it was so good just to be introduced to spiritual disciplines and uh, and Patty's way of just like to, for me to rejoice at who I am is an impulsive, crazy guy
2: <laughs> that mm. loves
0: people, but and never but I always feel you feel the war inside your head all the time that
2: you're mm.
0: you're not disciplined, and uh, and so it was just. And I, I, I have, I don't I think I've only missed one reunion in eight years. Yeah. It's because of the relationships. And after it was over, four of us or five of us, we met for the next six years together, continued our journey with uh, Anthony, who's now on your staff, and Gary yeah. D. 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 and others. So it's just being in a community of like minded leaders that are not trying to impress you but are humble like Jesus. You just want to be around them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: and then, you know, we had people like Eugene Peterson, Dallas Willard, yeah. come into yeah. our group while they were still alive, and so it's one benefit of being old—we uh, get some <laughs> of those greats before they passed on. Yeah, so I couldn't say enough about soul care, mm-hmm. and every, we have a large pastoral staff. Every single pastor has been through it, except maybe mm-hmm. one, and then the new guy on the block is already applying for next year. Uh, and uh, yeah, mm. I remember when I first. Oh no! When it first started, and we were looking for because we're an independent church, you want to have some fellowship with other pastors. That some of the pastors' meetings were all about you know how to save the world for Christ in three weeks and you know and (laughs) numbers I thought where can I just go and be real? And uh, so that's where it is. It's in Menlo Park, Office Wellspring. And every time I go to the office, it's like eternal life is just springing out. (laughs) And I don't want to. I'm a hyperbole guy, but, uh, but, but anyway, that's just how I feel. And, oh, and I just love you guys so much. And, uh, uh, oh. and it made just new friendships and relationships that have still maintained since the, those early years.
1: Thank you for those just kind words. And of course I was well before my time uh, on on the team, but, uh, but so grateful to just be part of an organization and team like this. But I think what I hear in, in the midst of it all too, uh, one of the big takeaways I would just say for, for people is, one, f- find a place or a community, a group of people that you can and you choose to be just really honest, really real with. Um, let, let God and the scripture and the Holy Spirit and uh, the life of Jesus be a, a, a guide and model. But just be real. Be real and, and let God meet you in all the real, raw, messy uh, but don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. And, um, I just, can thank I, you. Can I
0: add how to do that Please. though? Please. I you have to, you need a starting point. So what yes. we did with my men's group, um, we, uh, every guy coming in, I learned this on a backpack where 12 guys went on a backpack and I just told each guy, it's your turn. You're going to share your life story. Pick an old Testament character you like and tell us why you're like him. Hmm. Created such a bond, I decided to do that with the group. So you can't be in the group unless you don't tell your story. And at first the stories were PG, but then they get to the R-rated ones, and then it's really vulnerable. So telling your story, especially where you experience pain and how you responded to it, yeah, that's what opens the vulnerability mm. before you get to the poetry step.
1: That's good. I think it's that's a first, good.
0: good first step. Yep. And, and I did that for years before we did poetry. Uh,
1: poetry that's super cares. good. Yeah. That's super good. It reminds me of what I've often said, of having been in a lot of therapy and counseling over the years myself. And I would say the, mo- the most, some of the most authentic places I've ever been are like an AA or a support group or whatever. When you just get that gut level honesty, we don't, you know, we tend to be nice out and in, in maybe in church or other places where it's like, how are you doing fine? Well, if you're in a support group an AA group or something like that, you know, you're like, I'm just fine. They just look at you like, well, then what are you doing here? you know so uh we're all mess and we yeah. are really raw and i think if we can bring that kind of uh realness authenticity into and i think what you described so much is, is so good even even that gateway of what you know who's a story who's what's who's someone in scripture you relate to and but let's tell your journey and let's tell it
0: yeah.
1: unfiltered that's so yeah, good
0: and, and you're not allowed to comment you're what you're mm. allowed to do is inquire uh, like we do in soul care, right? You just yep. you just go up the mountain, they do. And any time you do that with someone, you love them. You, yeah. you fall in love with them, no matter what they've been through. You realize where they're coming from on the mountain for their perspectives. Mm. And it eliminates a lot of the uh, division that happens in the church mm. when you're talking concepts on the cross, the divide. When I just know you and what drives you, and what, what have been your pains, then we're not dealing with symptoms. We're dealing with you as a whole person. God's yeah,
1: and just honoring that's their story and who they are. That's beautiful. Well, Brian, thank you so much. Wow, for, for take, taking the time today to talk with us. And and we're going to link to some material on our notes. And, and then just make a comment, if you would, about the book that we're going to um, uh, link to as well.
0: Yeah, I've I've made a I've always wanted to publish a book on the Psalms, but then Karen really wrote it better. But I have well, it's a hundred page workbook on on the Psalms and studies and pro, and how to process your way through the, the Psalms of, of the poetry of the Psalms with exercises. And every time I do a conference, I I make one of these for them. So I'll have a PDF document. You're welcome to use mm. and, and download for free. And I'm just eager to get the truth out there. So
1: well. and. Well, Brian, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your honesty in your life and taking the time to share this with us today.
0: Well, thank you. We just appreciate you guys so much.
1: Thank you for joining us for today's conversation. If you found it helpful, feel free to share this podcast with others and subscribe to it on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you found us, and give us a rating. We'd really appreciate that as well. Again, if we can serve you as part of Wellspring, we are here to serve the church, both its leaders and people in whatever ways we can. So go to wellspringca.org to see what resources we have to offer and how you can be served by them go to our Facebook page. Just search Wellspring on Facebook and you'll see lots of resources there as well. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, grace and peace.